The available AKG 36 speaker sound system in the Cadillac Escalade provides 360 degree sound, so you hear studio sound on the road. The 2021 Cadillac Escalade, never stop arriving. The available AKG 36 speaker sound system in the Cadillac Escalade provides 360 degree sound, so you hear studio sound on the road. The 2021 Cadillac Escalade, never stop arriving. for listening to Uncle Sam's Soccer Podcast, keeping you up to date with the latest in American soccer. And don't forget to subscribe. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Uncle Sam's Soccer Podcast. I'm Stephen Jodderand. Joining me today, Jake Watrova. On this episode of Uncle Sam's Soccer Podcast, it's part one with our interview with Detroit City FC coach Trevor James. We discuss his travels from Europe to America and his introduction to U.S. soccer. Come back tomorrow to catch part two. Before we get to the interview, follow us on the Twitter machine at Uncle Sam Soccer Pod. We are found on any major podcast platform, so hit that subscribe button, leave a five-star rating. Now, let's get to today's show. Joining us right now is Detroit City FC newest head coach, Trevor James. Trevor, how are you doing? Yeah, it's good, thanks. How are you guys? We're doing well. We're doing good. Thanks for thanks for joining us, Trevor. Um, you've had a deep and long uh, experiences working with the sport, uh, you were you know scouting for FC Barcelona, Newcastle, Sporting Lisbon, and even the English national team. Just talk about your experiences in Europe before moving to American soccer. Um, well, it was um, obviously a fantastic time. I mean, you know, the work the work that I did with those clubs. It was basically um, just just working. I was I was brought in to do some work by by Sir Bobby Robson. Um, and that was the connection. I mean, I, 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 moved, I, I sort of did, you know, uh, freelance scouting for him and, and different things that he needed. But it was a great experience, obviously, you know, to, to be around him. I mean, I was around him as a young, young man, as a player. Um, uh, and then obviously to get into the coaching ranks and the scouting ranks to, to be able to, to use him as a mentor or as a resource was you know, it was priceless, really. I mean, so that, that you know, it was a fant- fantastic time. Learned obviously a great deal um, about how to do things and how not to do things. So, yeah, fantastic experience. Was there one situation or one experience that stood out over the others? Um, I think the time at uh, at um, at Porto was, you know, it it was a. a a, a great, a great time of our, you know, I mean, out of all of them, I mean, there's so many, but um, the, the Porto, uh, when when Bob was uh, at his most successful at Porto, and the, you know, the, the the group of players he put together, and the and just just the way he handled them, obviously, it's you know, learning process of of managing international players and and different from different cultures and so on. 
Um, I think that was a highlight of it because he he actually can you know managed to develop a group there and play such a such an attractive um, uh, game or, or style of football if you like and and obviously the results and the uh, you know show that I mean they went on to to win the league um, back to back and and play in Europe and and, and obviously um, the success was built from that time with Sabato. I think that was. That was probably, you know, memorable for me. The the Porto and just the fanatical um, supporters in Portugal, and obviously the rivalry between Benfica and Sporting, and and so on. So yeah, I think probably Porto was will stick with me for a bit. Well, Trevor, you've had uh, experiences with, with with these massive clubs over in Europe, with uh, you know Newcastle and and Barcelona. Um, what brought you to the United States? Well, I, I've been in the United. I've had a home in the United States for over 30 years. I mean, 32 years. People, I, I, you know, even when I worked in some of those 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 capacities you just named, it was I was always I always had a home base in in California, and I would travel from there and I would travel back home. So, what brought me to the to US originally was when I was playing. I was coming really. I had a, a number of injuries. I come to the end. Of playing, and I came over to try to play. I uh, came over on a loan period to play indoor soccer um, for the Los Angeles Lasers. Uh, if you remember that, um, there was no outdoor league at the time. It was after the, um, you know, the original NASL and before MLS, and there was no real outdoor professional league. So I played. I came to play there, but when I got here, the, the actual league folded. So it was a real, <laughs> a real strange time to be in the U.S. for. You know, in in soccer, basically. So um, that's what initially brought me here. Um, made a, lot, uh, a number of contacts and got in, you know, with with my coach and qualifications. I got into coaching, and I would go backwards and forwards. Obviously, with work with positions as you've mentioned, uh, but always had a home here. So, you know, when MLS started, it was um, it was you know really an opportunity for me to try to get involved with MLS and. Um, it didn't happen for a number of years. I didn't, you know, I think the I didn't play in the league, which I didn't, I don't think helped. Uh, obviously, the coaches they were hiring initially were experienced college coaches, and you know, had done, successful college coaches, I should say. Um, you know, like Ziggy's and Bruce and these people. Uh, so, so I didn't, get, I didn't get an opportunity. So I was look, I looked to get an opportunity early on in MLS, but didn't, didn't get one. So that's why, um, really, I kept working abroad because if I could have could have got a job in MLS when it started I probably would have done so Jake I know you have a follow-up question let me just ask you this Trevor what was the the discussion mm-hmm. happening in Europe regarding American soccer when you're talking about before MLS because MLS completely shifted the conversation regarding soccer on the global scale even early on America here here that comes with its newest league and for a while there there was a dead period without any outdoor American soccer leagues yeah no it was looked on that it was looked as if you, you know if, if you want to go from Europe or from certainly the UK it was looked upon as you know that it wasn't going to be played here you know it was a football baseball you know basketball country and they, and it wouldn't be accepted but uh, but there was people who'd never been here never seen it so you know which is, is normally the case isn't it people judging it without really experiencing it or seeing what's going on so and so I think that was uh, that was that obviously people would try to 
you know, when players, when when the NASL was around, people would players would come and come on loan from from UK or European teams, and and certainly had a taste of the of what it could be and the lifestyle in certain cities. So I think there was always an eye on if they had it, if they got a league, it would be good. But don't think they'll ever get it. You know, I think that was probably the the general sort of feeling. But um, but as you say, when MLS has uh, it, it's you know changed initially changed, you know the of what the league was going to be and and uh, and it was doing well and it weren't doing so well and. And and probably the sign David Beckham has pushed it into a different different uh, different realm, and that's uh, obviously you know for the better of the league and and the better of uh, you know everybody involved in it. Trevor, I wanted to ask you uh, as a player because you mentioned you came over here um, on loan. Mm-hmm. What are some of the biggest challenges for for a player going abroad to to play to play soccer? Right, right. But when I, I when I say as a player, a lot of people might disagree with that because if they've seen me play, they probably wouldn't, they wouldn't agree with that. So let me get that in there. But uh, now the difference is, I think, is just the, for me anyway, it was just the fact that it, you come from an environment where, you know, it's full on as far as that you, you you're training and you're playing, you're preparing, you're thinking, you're thinking about the game for the most part, uh, to suddenly come in my case to to a culture which was you work very hard when you train for a couple of hours but basically you know it, it wasn't thought of and it, it was you know it just you, you trained and you turned up for a game there was not a lot of thought into it or preparation into it it was it was it, it was not as, as it didn't seem as serious now I'm sure the players were as serious but it just didn't seem it you know every, everything was a little bit more relaxed and it's um you're not in such a hotbed of uh, you know, of, of criticism and and the rest of it, which which obviously you are in professional leagues um, around the world, which you know is now in MLS, so it's it's very competitive now. So so I think it, it was a point. It wasn't as competitive as it as as I was used to. Uh, Trevor, let, let's talk about the multiple stints within U.S. soccer as a whole. You were the assistant coach for the Galaxy, then being uh, promoted as the director of player development. You oversaw the creation and growth of the LA Galaxy Youth Academy. Then you spent time with the Fire in the 11. How do those experiences compare to the experiences in Europe? Um, well, in between there, actually, between the Galaxy and Chicago, I was actually in Portland, and that was uh, Portland Timbers. But that was um, the closest out of those clubs. That was the closest that you that I've experienced in MLS as far as the culture and support base was, was at Portland. So that would be the closest. No, as I said, I think, you know, it, it, it's developed. I mean, it's certainly changed from the first, from my first position in MLS at, at, with the Galaxy. It's, it's certainly it changed by the time I went to Portland. It changed by the time I was in Chicago. So it's got more and more. But I, as I said, I think, I think it it just took time to build and for, for the communities of the clubs to to get behind it and realize that that you know they're part of it. They're obviously, the you know it's a massive part of of U.S. soccer is the is the fan bases as far as these clubs have. I mean, far more organized and far more committed probably than a lot of the fan bases or supporters groups as they call them in in Europe. Uh, obviously, it's one or two exceptions, but 
generally most clubs have a supporters group, but they they're not as involved as probably all you know the the supporters groups here. I mean, even here in Detroit, you know, the Northern Guard supporters group. Uh, you know, I mean, it's why they get six, seven thousand people at a game. It's you know, it's 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 like being in Europe. So so I am starting to see it. I saw it more at, as I said at Portland with the Portland. Uh, timber army there and you know that's where they get 20,000 people every week so you know it's it's developing it's, it's it wasn't it took time but it's certainly developing in that way what what about the i guess culture within the club and how they oversaw operations of the game well again i think it, it was all a learning process i mean when they started most teams had a general manager uh and a head coach and and the you know, general manager, just like other sports, probably in the U.S., was had a responsibility to find and sign players and and have a big big part in that side of it. I mean, that's that's probably the difference from what Europe was because you know, you, if you had a general manager or a, or a president or whatever title the clubs would give them, um, they didn't really they weren't really involved in the recruitment or uh, the building of a of a squad, but in the U.S., obviously, a general manager does take on a responsibility to build um, the roster. Um, I think in recent times, clubs have have hired technical directors and sporting directors, and again, other titles underneath the general manager, which have had more responsibility for that, and the general manager having less in as far as recruitment and building a roster. But I think that's a change because I think initially, based on other US sports, the general manager had a fair say on what was going on with the roster. Trevor, I want to talk about the progression of US soccer. So you had mentioned you you, you know came to America to play indoor soccer uh, before MLS ever existed, after the NASL existed. Um, can you talk about the progression US soccer has made now? I mean, you have MLS now that, you know, who would have thought you know, I'm sure when you were playing indoor soccer that MLS would have some of the biggest stars in world football with Wayne Rooney and Zlatan Ibrahimovic, mm-hmm. and they go and sell Miguel Almiron to Newcastle for mm-hmm. nearly $30 million. I mean, can you talk about mm-hmm. how far U.S. soccer has come since you played over here? Oh, yeah. No, it, it's it's come leaps and bounds. I mean, you, you're talking about was in the mid-95, 96 when the league I mean – to where we are now, it's night and day. I mean, the, the, it's just that because of that, everything has improved. And because everything is improved, the stadiums have improved. The training facilities are, you know, a lot of the training facilities are equal to a club in Europe or wherever. Um, you know, so for that, so and, and everything has improved in the care of the players, whether it's the, you know, the, 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 the off the field stuff with their accommodations and their housing and their, uh, management off the field um, to travel. Obviously, people are still looking for the, the you know, the charter jets, but the the, the travel and, and the and the accommodation you stay on the road is first class. They're looked after. So with all that, you then, you know, rightly, you then can attract these players, the Roonies and, and these people who are used to that. You know, they take that. That's part of what they do at the clubs. And so as far as where the league has come, it's obviously fantastic because it come from, as I said, initially to having probably three or four people around to, to try to manage it, which a lot of the players were ex-college players or 
you know local pros who you know played in in sort of semi pro leagues and um and and it's developed but i think it's done great because it's developed the off the side off the field side of the game by facilities and management is to to then now say right yeah we can attract these players because what you'll get at you know whether it's Tottenham or, or wherever you want to go um we are in that in that in that race now Obviously, the the actual product is is gonna is gonna be the last thing to catch up because is is you're gonna get people as you say you we're attracting players now, and they will attract more players. So as it goes the next next five ten years, I think you'll see a lot more, a lot more. Um, you know, we've got a lot now, but even more um, if you want to say you know bigger names type type uh, characters within the league. So it's attracting players. Before they're finished, before they're getting to the end, you know, and I think I think David Beckham did that. He came at a time where he could still play. Mm-hmm. Uh, if he, you know, maybe he could, have, he could have come three or four years later, and he still would have made an impact. But the fact that he came when he could still play at the top level, I think, was was a massive, a massive sell for the league. And I think, uh, you know, it's where you see other people, other players come now and and seeing it as, you know, a place to come and play. I know, I know that, you know. Uh, the commissioner wants to make a, it says a league of choice, and I think it's getting that way. You know, I think it's mm-hmm. it is getting that way. The number of players, so so it's come it's come on massively. So, well, there you have part one of our interview with Detroit City FC coach Trevor James. Come back tomorrow to catch part two, where we discuss Detroit City FC and youth development. Make sure you follow us on the Twitter machine at Pod. Send in your comments your thoughts, your concerns. I'm Stephen Jodrand. That's Jake Watroba. See you soon. Come stay and play at Live Casino and Hotel. Welcome to one of the biggest casinos in the country with luxurious clean rooms, upscale dining and the grandest payouts now offering stay and play and all in packages including $50 free slot play VIP parking VIP casino access and more book now at livecasino.com or call 443-445-2929 at Arundel Mills must be 21 please play responsibly for help visit mdgambling.org or call 1-800-GAMBLER Regina King for Cadillac Escalade. When people ask, Regina, do you like to compete? I say, bring it on. Those are the moments that drive you to achieve more. And when you win, you keep reaching higher. To me, that's what the Cadillac Escalade represents. It's always evolving in technology, in design, everything. Because success isn't the end, it's just the first step to what comes next. The 2021 Cadillac Escalade. Never stop arriving.